The ecosystem incubator is a space for sustainable fashion professionals to build in collaboration. This podcast series from the ecosystem incubator is here to share with you the wealth of experience and integrity of our founding members and collaborators. We're creating the space and community to birth a new approach for fashion. One based on trust, collaboration and transparency that supports all stakeholders in the system. By building on the best of living systems thinking in combination with new technologies, a true ecosystem can be created that can help us all thrive. We hope that you enjoy the podcast series and be sure to link up on theecosystemincubator.com for more information about building your business in collaboration. Welcome to today's Ecosystem Incubator podcast. We're joined by Kathleen Vandal of Vandal Kids, who is one of our founding members and collaborators in the community space. Thanks for joining and being with here with us on our podcast series. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Rachel. It's my first one, so I'm really excited about it. Cool. Welcome, Kathleen. Um, so firstly, we're going to start with basics. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about your background and focus? Yeah, so actually my, uh, so my background is not in fashion at all. Uh, I worked for 14 years in a cosmetics company, uh, big companies like Chanel, Revlon, Coty, and uh, it was more in marketing and merchandising. Um, but I've always loved fashion uh, and, you know, I've always loved making things. So I knew at some point I would have to change my career. Um, so even when I was a little girl, I would, um, I would actually play with my Barbies and style them, dress them with anything I could find in the house. So kind of styling and upcycling has always been like part of my life. Um, and I also even created a, an Instagram account uh, a little while ago where I share, you know, upcycling uh, ideas, creative ideas for kids or my own art as well. Um, and now it's merged with my brand, Vendor Kids. So I kind of do a little bit of both because I feel like my brand is not just clothing. It's kind of a lifestyle of creativity and, and uh, circularity. I love that. I love how you're putting, uh, building two worlds together there with the upcycling and the kind of creativity with the children and building that in with the brand itself because it is you know, focused on children, right? Rather than... Um, yes. So, yeah, cool. Writing. So um, how did you like start and get into that and, and why? So two years ago, um, I, I knew I had a, basically the, a decision to make between either moving with my company to Amsterdam, where the head office was moving, or kind of choosing the redundancy. And because I had been thinking for a long time about doing my own thing and also going into fashion, I thought, okay, let's take the plunge. It's the right opportunity. Um, actually, back in 2014, I was uh, already on the side of my job, um, making some sweatshirts. Uh, it was a, a passion I had. So I would buy sweatshirts uh, wholesale, like plain, and I would customize them, cut them, add different, you know, change the sleeve and really make them kind of couture or a bit more funky uh, sweatshirts. And I didn't really pursue it. I was, you know, I didn't dare. I just stayed in my role in my company. And when I saw after this, how much sweatshirt has, you know, exploded since 2014 I mean since Kenzo kind of brought it back right I thought okay next time I have an idea maybe I'll just you know I'll just take the risk and I'll do it so second time around two years ago I still wanted to do something around you know um, streetwear and I had my son so 
you know, with the experience of shopping for my son and caring for my son's clothes, I thought, okay, I'm going to do something that's around kids' clothing um, more, more specifically. Um, and, you know, the whole sustainability part of it. So it was not just making kids' clothes. Uh, I just wanted to make sure that I would, you know, make a bit of a difference, do something that's, um, that's better, you know, not better from the environment, but not as bad maybe as what, what's existing already. Uh, became aware for the last two, three years about, you know, the damages of the fashion industry. Um, I wasn't really paying enough attention before. So I took a class at Central St. Martin's about sustainability, you know, fashion. And I started to be a bit more careful about my shopping. And the more I was buying clothes for my son and, and kind of having to throw them away because they were, you know, damaged or stained, the more I realized that there's an issue with the kids' clothing markets. Um, the, the kids' clothes are not really adapted to the kids' lives, and especially, you know, the way they're messy, you know, and I call them little vendors, right? And that's where the, the name comes from. So they, they're, just, they're just not really careful with their clothes, and why should they be? So, um, and, and also, in a way, I get that, you know, a lot of people would say, yeah, but anywhere they grow out of it, so why should they be long-lasting? But I, I believe that, you know, the garment life shouldn't end you know, when the kids is outgrowing them. Um, the second hand you know, market should or probably will be su super big and very important in the future. So I, I thought, okay, I'm going to try and make clothes that are really durable. And for them to be durable, I need to make them super practical and really thinking them through to make sure that they can be stained as fast, they can be damaged as fast, you can wash them. We don't have to wash them as much, but if you wash them, the quality is strong enough so it doesn't wear off. Um, so that's how it kind of started. Um, and I did a lot of research and it's true that, that, that there's a lot of resistant kids clothing out there, you know, they're like kind of waterproof clothing. Um, but I found that they're not always um, um, comfortable or, you know, breathable. And, and when, when I buy something, when I do something, I, I'm, I'm uh, obsessed with multi-purpose, right? So I feel like I don't necessarily want my son to have clothes for going out and play in the puddle, one to paint, one to go for the restaurants, one to stay at home. So the idea was, okay, I need to combine a few things. It's not just about making resistant clothing, but it's about um combining the comfort which is the number one thing that parents want and kids want for, for the closing i've been interviewing 200 uh, parents about this but also the resistance and how to merge fabrics and design it and to make sure that it does it does both and yeah that's how it all uh, started i love that and i i love that the, the first thing you said was um getting into opportunities when when you see it coming you know with your sweatshirt thing and yeah. how, how in, integral that is because we all have so many amazing ideas and don't always like um go to full circle on them so it's great to see you like really doing this in in bundle kids and I get that it's a journey too so yeah um, <laughs> you know especially especially I, I loved um just the way that your aesthetics is so interesting for kids as well it's not like here wear some um waterproof trousers and go outside and, and do your bits it's like you could wear this all day every day to anywhere you needed to go to you know so um yeah yeah I, I, I felt like for me style is, is so important so I, I never want the style to come in the way of comfort of practical 
but it was still a very important part of it. So I just tried to, to, to make clothes that basically was no compromise. You can, you know, someone can buy them just for the look of it. Um, and then, yeah, it's a bonus because it's going to be durable and practical. But I just, yeah, it was really important for me that there was a whole creative side of, of it as well from the print um, on it. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely things that both my kids want to wear. And my older one, because he hasn't got the sample, is like, I want one. <laughs> and the young, younger one is yeah. like um, crawling on the floor all the time, really doing his wear attack trial right now. So um, oh, I love it. Work it out. <laughs> so love good. it. That's the way. That's the best way. I mean, yeah, I love that your son is uh, loving this trial um, phase. And my son as well is, uh, is, uh, is really getting into it. So now it's so funny because he's, he, he really feels like he's working with me. And now whenever he sees, you know, clothing, um, you know, from other brands that we have, he's, he's showing them to me and he's like, see, maman, this one, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not good enough because, uh, you know, it's going to have a hole in it or, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel comfortable. Like he, he's really into it. And I like that we're doing this journey together and he's been helping me. I mean, the, the number of fit session, fitting session, or, you know, me asking him, okay, let's go just, just mess up have have a lot of mess with them that i love that part uh, that's really cute that's really nice yeah he's like your little business partner i love yeah that. <laughs> yeah i call him my uh, chief wearing officer so cwo <laughs> fantastic and uh, how life doesn't have to be separate from business and how you yeah. intertwine that is uh, so integral going forward in the future so love yeah it. totally um, you're a startup, right? So what, issue, what issues have you found on that journey so far going into the industry? Well, uh, first of all, I would say the issue being new and small is having access to suppliers, having access to you know, factories, and especially the good value for money. You know, the ones that you know, do a good job. Uh, but can also not, you know, completely break the bank for, for me with my low volume uh, and do it in an ethical way. So it's, it's quite hard. You know, you would either find factories that are huge and they're doing very like mass productions and not only they're gonna, not going to care about your low volumes, but also even if you were going to work with them, you're not completely sure about ethics. Or then you find very small, um, you know, almost family run business. And it's great, but, you know, it's very, very hard to get any margin, you know, with, with the volumes. So I think that would be the, the, the first challenge that I found is, uh, is about, you know, access to sustainable and ethical suppliers at an you know, affordable uh, price for me. And, um, and I would say the other issue is because I've worked for really big companies and, I, and I'm used to working with suppliers, to managing budget and timing, but as a big client, right? So it was so much easier, you know, because you just give them a deadline. I, I just need it by that time, you know, and even if it's collaborative, you still have a bit more power of negotiation. And whereas um, obviously now I'm a kind of a nobody, I'm very small and uh, I kind of have to go with the flow and not expect, you know, too much about a deadline or, it's it's it just it's been an adjustment for me to just realize that sometimes actually some factories doing me a favor because they don't really need me. I need them more than they need me. Um, so that I found very challenging at the beginning. Yeah, it's a it's a big part of the journey, and almost you have to build in so much time, extra time for that kind of situation. Yeah, 
without even knowing that you need to do that in the first instance so I, I know that you've had like a lot of stuff going on with that so yeah totally I mean you know emailing or contacting 10 20 suppliers and getting maybe one or two answer yeah. uh, out of it yeah it was quite uh, quite new but I, I think it's good it's it I like the change it's completely different than what I used to do so it's great as well Exactly. It's the nice challenge. But it's also um, that economic challenge, that, that, that issue of scale that you're talking about there, where in a big business, you, you're used to just going in and going, right, I'm, I'm doing this, bye-bye, you know, done, done. Yeah. Whereas in a small business mentality, even though you're building something so innovative, you can't always have the economic conditions to actually get it off the ground and, and actually then make, make a margin on it, which is yes. essentially needs to happen in in a sustainable sort of way as well for you, you know, going forward. So this that's is the thing, you know, you want to be sustainable, but you, you know, it's two ways, sustainable for the planet. Yeah. But it needs also to be sustainable as a business. Otherwise, you know, I need to just go back to my, to my job because, you know, I need to make a living of it as well. Absolutely is the, the crux of why we started the ecosystem incubator to then start that collaboration between the brands and that trust. Yes. So um, I'm so happy to see you join that. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think are the biggest challenges in implementing sustainability into your business? So the biggest challenge for me was, you know, again, the access to, well, the access to fabrics, the access to more sustainable fabrics, especially recycled fabric, recycled polyester. Um, I'm using polyester on my garments for the longevity aspect of it and the fact that, you know, paint or, uh, is not going to sink in, so it's not going to get stained. So there is a sustainable um, factor to this. Initially, I was really adamant it needed to be recycled, you know, from recycled, you know, plastic bottles. And it took me months of searching and searching. Um, and it's just, I just don't have the volume. So as a, as a small business, getting the volumes to even start a conversation with those big companies recycling plastic to make, uh, to make fabric is, is, is really difficult. Um, and I had to make a decision to go with a non-recycled polyester because I decided to uh, prioritize the longevity um, and it's it's a journey, right? So maybe my second or third production, I'll have bigger volumes and I'll be able to reach this. But also I did receive sometimes some recycled fabric and they were not always resistant enough or waterproof enough. So I, I also had to be quite uh, rigid on this, you know, and, and prioritize. And the priority is the efficiency of the clothes and the longevity. So I had to give that up. And it was not an easy one because I remember you and I, like we tried, we tried so hard for months and yeah, probably lost a bit of time. And that's why now I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm late on my production. But, uh, you know, you live and learn and it's, uh, yeah, it's a learning curve. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is a happen. journey with it. And, and it's exactly what I was talking about with Emmeline in, in a, the lingerie niche is that they they have problems with some of the elastics not not being durable enough, not having enough longevity for that kind of product where you need it to stretch like yeah. time. And, and the, the products just aren't out there right now. So so in some instances, it's that the, the, the original product it will actually have a better longevity. So you have to make that choice um, in terms of what you're doing. So Totally. Um, and uh, I mean, the other, if, if I've, I can add another 
challenge on the sustainability thing, and again, it's going back to being small, is I, I want to be very transparent with my customer. So I, I just like this idea. I like myself to know where things come from. So I want to be, I want to be transparent, but myself, I struggle to have transparency from some suppliers because they, they don't have time to deal with, you know, with me. <laughs> and uh, if I ask them too many questions about, you know, where is the fiber coming from? Uh, how was it uh, woven? How was it knitted? Where? Um, what's the condition of the uh, workers? How much are they paid? And it's too many questions. And it's almost like, okay, forget it. We don't have time. And, you know, I can lose some suppliers. So it's finding the balance between trying to ask questions. And also some factories could take it in a bad way. Mm. Um, and so I would say that would be one of my other challenges in terms of uh, the sustainability because I, I think about sustainability not just about the product but it's the trust and the transparency that goes with it absolutely and, and yeah no you can um I think again it's that, that that economy of scale thing again that if you if you were bigger those are completely I mean those even a small business those are completely rational questions to ask yeah. it's just that because it's based on um, how much volume you're going to put through their factory um, you're kind of like almost discriminated against a little bit in that in that way you know and that's nothing wrong it's just the, the way that the businesses are yeah you know? yeah um, and again one thing as, as a collaborative that we can do more with you know because I'd found exactly the same thing so um, so thinking about that what do you think the likely future holds for for our industry and especially like looking at kids wear as well. So I think that the um, the industry is definitely changing and customers are much more aware than they were a few years ago. Um, and big brands are, you know, doing more things. So especially using more and more recycled or organic fabric, which is great. Um, but for me, it still feels a little bit um, like uh, it's on the surface. And it's uh, what's visible to the customer and it's, it feels like, and I worked in marketing for 14 years. So I'm very like, um, I can, yeah, I can criticize this a little bit. It does feel sometimes that it's a marketing uh, opportunity. Um, and, you know, myself, I researched this and I don't even know how much a recycled fabric made from plastic bottle is polluting in itself because there must be a lot of, you know, kind of, process for this and how is it safe for workers and um there's a lot of things to consider um and and i think we're going back to big versus small brands you know so like the big brands have access to those more eco-friendly fabrics um but then they keep producing ridiculous amounts of um of quantities of stock you know they propose 100 style a year or even a month and so i think we need to be careful that people don't Start thinking, oh, it's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm buying a sustainable uh, uh, garment from recycled or organic and still buys 20, you know, a month or a year. Because for me, unless we review quantities that we produce uh, and how much we buy as customer, it's pointless. Um, so for me to sum up is buying less, wearing for longer and caring about the ethics of it and the integrity in which it's made is the number one priority for, for the kind of industry to evolve rather than focusing too much on, oh, my fabric is recycled, my fabric is organic or things like this. But it's my, it's just my own opinion, right? 
no I agree completely and um uh, I think as well that this this piece around um like, like you were saying making sure that that we're not moving from fast fashion to fast sustainability or fast circularity you know that yeah that that is that 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 those become kind of you know like you were saying surface base like a sticking plaster to the real the real nuts and bolts that are underneath which is that we have to look at how we economically reduce overproduction but still have everyone in in the system be get paid and stuff and and many different things to do ways to do that you know but I think that this collaborative uh, um, way of working can be um, a way in the future where small brands can still have that integrity and that innovation and that um, want to do the best. Because I know um, I know you very well and you're like, you want to do the best that you can do with what you've got, you know, but you're yeah. restricted by these economies of scale. So then to be able to say, come together and say, as one, we can create this, this, this um, and and almost as a small collaboration team, be able to yeah. do those economies of scale. So, um, yeah, really good to hear you kind of share in that way. Cool. Yeah, and actually you're right. You know, on the collaboration part, it's, it's true that I, I remember you said one day, you know, that the big companies that don't always uh, put the time and money into, into designing and the development, you know, it's more about, okay, opportunity, this sold well last year, I'm going to reproduce it times two. And um, and I'm going to do something quite simple. So you know, the, the, I guess the cost of production is is low, but you know, it's a it's kind of a, how do you uh, um, what's the word milk cow? No, how do we call it in business? So something that sells you know fast and and easily. Um, yeah. But it's true that actually the design itself is so important because if you design it really thinking it through, that it's going to be more durable because you've done you know you've applied this panel there and you've thought about this, you know, um, I think this is very important. So yeah, collaborating between, you know, different skills, different uh, uh, brands, I think could be a, a good idea as well. Absolutely. And the mechanics of it, being able to say, right, we're doing sweatshirts over here. You're doing jog pants. We're doing hats or something. We could all collaborate on the same yeah. because essentially, you know, it's all, all all black sweatshirt and fabric so why yeah. not you know um absolutely um so so that you're thinking in the economy scale that they have but still putting your innovation on it so i i'm really excited about that the the promise of that yeah me too so who is um going into um inspirations now who has most inspired you on your journey so, well, first, I would say you inspired me a lot <laughs> without being like, <laughs> um, uh, how do you call it, sucker? <laughs> but no, <laughs> really true. Like everything that you do, you know, you, you, you like a machine. You do so many things. I'm so impressed. Like you've got like four Instagram accounts, four different businesses, like so many different businesses. You're gathering, like, gathering so many people and really want to make a difference uh yeah i mean the wealth of knowledge you have and you know the pool of connection but you know quality connections that you have uh yeah i'm really impressed and the integrity that you know that you have as well as you do it the way you led me and you you really you yeah you really helped me and you really cared so i think that is i find really impressive first of all thank you Uh, so thanks for this um, and I would say also from a, like a, 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 another maybe fashion designer brand point of view, um, I'm really uh, 
impressed by Stella McCartney, um, mm. especially, I mean, what she does for adults, but especially what she does for kids. So Stella McCartney kids, she's from a sustainability point of view, but also from a creativity point of view. I just love everything that she does. Um, sometimes, you know, some of the clothes, I'm like, maybe not that practical, but again, that's my niche. <laughs> uh, but it's just, it's pure art, but, uh, you know, the style doesn't go in the way of the sustainability. She does so much for this. Like I was reading the other day, she does this, um, uh, how do you call it? Uh, well, it's like an environmental profit and loss, EPNL. Uh, it's a natural capital accounting that measures the greenhouse kind of emission, the water use, the water pollution, the land use, the air pollution, everything basically that her company is, is, um, is kind of uh, doing. Uh, and I, I, I don't know, I think it's, I feel like some brands, they're greenwashing, you know, like they, I truly think that Stella McCartney, she cares and she's not just doing it for the marketing. Um, so I, uh, quite impressed with, uh, with her. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of the time, a lot of the innovation does come down from those, um, high-end brands as well and, and yeah. is into the mainstream. So, um, always very watered down but you know essentially um what she's pioneering is is really interesting especially love her mushroom leather things um as well so hopefully that trickles down to us at some point yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i think it will be um so like what experience in life and business has most shaped you so yeah that's a big one um so i there's one thing i can say is that i've I've got the I've got the tendency or used to have the tendency to be a bit negative with myself and and you know with things in general. So you could say that I'm a bit of a control freak um, and a perfectionist, which in a way I think it's a quality, but can keep me stuck in some situations and be um, counterproductive. Uh, and I think I've wasted a lot of time and money sometimes being a bit rigid on certain things and you know thinking okay it needs to happen exactly like this. And I would say the big life experience that helped me kind of evolve on this is actually just the past 18 months, you know, between the COVID, like with all the uncertainty that happens, you know, the COVID also, you know, my mom was like my rock, you know, having like cancer, moving house, a new business that I kind of know nothing of. I just had to learn to trust the, the process and not dwell too much on the negative, but, you know, accept what I can't control. Uh, I'm, I'm actually getting some like sort of help at the moment uh, at the moment with a coach called uh, Cash Desai. Um, he's amazing and he's, uh, he's, I'm working with him on it through positive affirmation and it's really changing the way I, I see things a lot. The last three months have been so hectic that I'm sure that without this, I would have, uh, I would have been so much more stressed. Um, so, and, and something else I can say is, and I didn't used to believe this, but now I believe it is that everything happens for a reason. And I can see it, you know, I have few life experiences that showed me, you know, whether it was redundancy that um, ended up giving me a better career opportunity or any kind of mistakes that I've made, you know, I've learned so much from and something better came out of it. So I would say in general, just, yeah, trust that when a, a door closes, there's probably, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for a better one to, to open. And I've really experienced this a lot um in my life 
I love that. I can so resonate on many levels um, with the journey I've been on as well, you know, um, with my mother also having cancer and then sadly passing. But but um, with that, with that came a life boost, like almost like a renewal. Yeah, that came with it. And uh, again, the same thing going into sort of therapies and um, and working with my business partner, Simon Headley, who was like again coached me through a lot of all of that kind of stuff too so I can resonate with the same journey with you it's I mean that's probably why we get on so well but yeah it's 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 crazy how you don't see this at first right and then it's when you look back or sometimes you need also someone else like you know you said someone else to also open your eyes because you can just be stuck in your you know like just your overwhelm um so I think definitely yeah getting getting someone some help I mean I've been trying to do this too much on my own and since you know we started to work together and then also you know working on more personal level with 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 my coach um it's just helping you clearing up some fog and and just uh yeah moving moving forward a, a little bit but it's it's really hard to see it at the beginning that something better is coming or you know trust the process you know it's it's hard yeah it is it's hard to let go of those um expectations you know as well yeah so yes totally. <laughs> and know that you can't do it all on your own no, as much as we are super women definitely yeah <laughs> um we can't do it alone yeah. <laughs> absolutely which leads me nicely to the next question which is um as the ecosystem is about collaboration and not doing things on your own, what was your best experience in business of collaboration? So first of all, I'd say that collaboration is something that whenever I've done it, I've always found super beneficial because I really, really believe in teamwork and just joining forces. So that's something I I, uh, I love. Um, but I, I've, I somehow struggled to do it. Um, and again, I think it's some of my kind of demons, you know, either being a bit shy, asking for collabs or having the imposter syndrome, thinking, uh, why would they collab with me? What can I bring? Or, you know, fear of rejection. So I don't think I've done this enough. Um, but um, recently I really got out of my comfort zone um, and to meet people, networking, which was my worst nightmare. Like I would never network before. I just, because I'm so bad, I'm doing small talks and, you know, going towards people, but I've done it recently thanks to quite a few groups I've been part of going to some events on my own. Uh, and I met a few people. So recently I've met um, someone called Carlin. She's the founder of Kids Life Closing, which is, you know, match made uh, in heaven. <laughs> and we did a, a, an Instagram live together and she's been, uh, she's given me great advice on Kickstarter because she also went through a uh, crowdfunding for a business. So we're still in contact and I'm sure we, we, we can do uh, great things together. And I've also um, recently met with uh, another lady called Sarah Fro, and she's the founder of Kids Table UK. And she basically, her, her business is about entertaining your kids while you're at the restaurant. Um, and we're going to we're going to do great things together uh, because basically we have the same mission of making parents' life easier while keeping kids happy in a way. Um, so so yes, that that's been great and just really forcing myself to do this, getting out of the house, meeting people, even if it's not something I'm really comfortable doing initially, has led to uh, amazing things. So um, I've met as well. Um, 
some uh, so a lady called Sophie she's uh, the founder of uh, buyer collection she used to be a buyer and now we have workshop with other uh, fashion um, brands like me fashion startups and she's teaching us you know about you know selling and and we also share ideas in between uh, all uh, all uh, each other so once a month we meet on this um, there's also the sustainable fashion collective I'm part of the, the mastermind group again where we talk about sustainability so I've, I've made myself you know be part of a few different groups and and so much has come out of it so I, I really don't uh, regret it how lo- amazing and I love that and I can resonate again with that kind of journey as well because believe it or not before this I was very shy you like you don't come up I mean right now like yeah I've seen you done I mean I've seen you on zoom mainly but also face to face like do uh workshop webinar um putting together like 20 people in uh, in zoom like very uh it looks very effortless, but yeah, I'm sure there's lots of work behind, especially if you also, yeah, were a bit uh, shy initially. Yeah, no, and I, again, like maybe um, six, seven years ago, I would find it difficult to walk into a room of people and, and go and actually, you know, hold out my hand in, with, with confidence. It took a lot. Uh, and, and people often underestimate the, the inner work that we have to do to, yeah. be, able to be that, you know, so... Also, you know what we underestimate, and I've under—I don't know if it's underestimate—but not realizing that people are just—you know—most people are nice. Like, as in, most people are not going to be like, "No, no, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to talk to you." They're actually probably thinking exactly the same as you, and so happy that you're coming towards them. So, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And I did learn that mostly it's about the voices in our head that are saying. You can't do that. Don't be silly. When most people don't even think about that. (laughs) When when you're meeting them, they're like, oh, this is an interesting person. I want to get to know them. All good. I love it. So you've recently joined us in the ecosystem incubator. What do you see possible as we grow? I think, well, I think the possibilities are endless because uh, gathering so many people with so many different skills and knowledges in the industry, you know, from brand suppliers to brand experts, uh, yeah, it's endless. Um, the first obvious one, I would say, is co-marketing, just giving each other visibility and giving each other credits and, and you know, giving each other then business is the main, is maybe the number one um benefit i would see from from the the group do you call it a group or from the platform the system the space collaborative (laughs) from the collaborative um another way for me i think that the collaborative will be uh, very useful is to share volumes with other brands uh going back to the fact that i've got very low volumes and it's hard to have access to certain fabrics or certain supplier, I think that if we either, if there are more brands like me in the group or we reach out to more brands, it's going to be super beneficial, at least for, for me personally. Um, and yes, I, I think it's going to, in general, it's going to help smaller brands emerge more and compete with the bigger brands, which for me, in my opinion, it sounds a bit drastic, but I feel like the bigger brands 
can't really be sustainable. Uh, it's too late. They're too big. You know, it's it's really it's really hard to be really sustainable. So at least you know it can give a little bit more weight to those small brands that are in itself quite sustainable because they're smaller and they wouldn't produce overproduce. You know, you you can't anyway. So um, so yeah, I see this as being a a, a big plus. Yeah, love that. Fantastic. Exactly what I would have said too. <laughs> and more. Um, so, if someone was starting on that journey, if someone was starting on their journey towards um, building a business, um, what suggestions and top tips would you give to them? So, the first thing I would say is actually something you told me is choose what is the most important thing for you. Uh, prioritize then accept that it won't be perfect and you might not do everything the first time but it's a journey Um, and for me yeah I wanted to do everything I wanted to have it all and uh, I had a bit of disappointment but then realized in the end it's fine you know I've I've made my choice my priority being quality and you know um, quality of the make resulting in longevity as well as the ethics um, was the priority over maybe using more sustainable material. Even if it's still important, it's just, you know, I had to prioritize for the first um, production. Uh, and I, yeah, I think if you want to have it all, you might have nothing. And it's the same with everyone's journey towards sustainability, right? Doing small changes is better than pro- procrastinating. can never say this. Procrastinating big changes. So I would say this as a, as a first tip. Um, as a second tip, I would say educate yourself, read about it, read about sustainability, uh, but from a lot of different sources, because there are so many opinions out there. They're not always true. Um, don't just go with your own perception of sustainability or the one person's perception of sustainability and uh, use facts combined with, uh, with your common sense, you know, like t- together. Um, yeah, so I'll go back to, maybe I'm repeating myself, but I'll go back to initially, um, I did not want any fabric that wasn't recycled or organic. But then the recycled polyester I found was too thin, not resistant enough to abrasion, not waterproof enough. So in the end, it would have resulted in a less durable garment. So I'd say, you know, be open to, be open. You might be surprised, you know, you might, the obvious thing might not be the right thing um and be open to to changing a little bit you know your initial um kind of rigid idea that you have in mind and then as a third um tip i would say because sustainability is such an overused word um now and it can mean everything and uh, nothing at the same time if you want to talk about sustainability be super specific when you talk about it about your brand you know be very with concrete actions no matter how how small they are, like concrete little things that you do that are sustainable, just don't just say you're sustainable. Um, And also don't just focus on the fabrics. There's so much more, um, so much more to it, you know, like sometimes, and maybe I'll be a bit controversial, but uh, using a a man-made fabric could be an option because a more sustainable option than natural fabric because it doesn't not use as much water or, you know, it's it's more long wearing. So, you know, again, it's about being open and accepting that you might, you might do a a fabric with organic cotton, but then it might wear off very fast when you wash it. Um, And then 
you might use a print that actually use chemicals. So is it organic? Is it still organic then in the end or not? You know, so it's just, um, there's so many things to consider. Don't just go with the obvious, okay, organic recycle, like kind of what I thought I was going to do initially <laughs> before I uh, educated uh, myself and, and people, you know, told me um, all the different ways of being sustainable. Absolutely. Um, it is a multi-layered and multifaceted yes. thing. Um, so though um, absolutely, I found that in my journey too, that uh, some things aren't as quite as they seem. And even some statistics and things are not quite as they seem. <laughs> so yeah. really do your homework. Um, and if you can't, then find a consultant who will help you on that journey too. <laughs> exactly so like um amazing so thank you so much for sharing with me today i was really inspired by your ability to be agile and to work um i know with your perfection and and kind of think about how you could recreate things um uh, but also the way that you've embraced this this journey and have been able to create something and your your tenacity in creating it because many people would have just gone oh forget it I'll just (laughs) (laughs) you know so um and that's what it takes to build a business's uh, tenacity um and a constant journey and a constant doing uh, you know and it probably definitely your marketing marketing experience will have will have helped in that as well so um love it thank you thanks Rachel it was really Really nice to have uh, this chat and I can't wait to uh, to hear the podcast now. I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah, how exciting. So to get maximum value, don't miss out. Make sure to register, subscribe and find out more about our podcasts and other resources at theecosystemincubator.com.